Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to episode five of the Go Find Out Podcast. On today's show, I'll be interviewing Jenna Tarasco about her decision to teach English as a second language, first in Thailand, then in South Korea. She'll get into the details of what such a program looks like financially and how it helped her become more independent, um, enough actually to travel internationally by herself. All right, on to my personal update. So this week, after spending last week getting organized, or more organized, (laughs) I've been able to get a few more work things done throughout the day while still leaving time for reading and and weeding, things that I actually kind of enjoy. Although I should add, I do also enjoy doing the podcast and interviewing people, but it is is work, um, or at least in my mind, I think about it as work so that I, you know, have an eight-hour day and make sure that I'm getting everything done that I should rather than doing it as a hobby. Um, Kind of on a side note, I don't really consider weeding as work since I listen to podcasts while I weed or while I garden, Um, and it just kind of helps me to decompress to do those kind of uh, mindless chores where you're sort of doing the same thing. repetitive motion over and over. And again, I can listen to podcasts then. So for the past few days, I've really been focusing on connecting with potential guests and trying to ensure that my show is more diverse. I recently reread Kirsten Meitzer's So You Want to Start a Podcast, and that has really helped me to reach out to more people who don't necessarily look like me. I really think that it's important that this show's guests reflect a spectrum of women out there and not just white women. This week, I'm also in the learning phase of how to record my books as audiobooks. I'm going to start out with my nonfiction, Cut the Bullshit, Land the Job, since I don't have to worry about doing voices for characters or anything like that. But I do want to make sure that I've set myself up for success before I start recording, um, which is kind of what I really try to do with this podcast, learn as much as I could before I ever started. Um, And that way, you know, I, I had a better idea of what the format was going to look like. Although I might tweak that in the future, you know, if you guys are like, eh, we don't really want to have these um, update these personal updates, we would rather just you get to the interview, um, or maybe you like the personal updates, but you don't like the wrap up at the end, you know, you can tweet me at GFO podcast. And please let me know, you know, what do you like about the show? Um, what would you rather have changed? Um, or what would you like added to the show? That would be awesome to, to find out. But uh, but I really want to make sure with the audiobooks um, that um, I am Again, kind of setting myself up for success um, before I ever even get started. I just think it would really, really suck to record, um, you know, an entire chapter or more only to find out that I'm doing it wrong or that the sound quality is is not acceptable to upload on Audible or uh, to find away voices, which is another um, place for indie authors, by the way, to upload Audible versions of their books. You can put your audiobooks on a lot more places than um, just Audible or ACX. Um, So this week, there is definitely going to be a lot of YouTubing in the evening for the next week until I figure out the recording process for doing audiobooks. And one last thing before we get to the interview with Jenna, I really wanted to thank you, my listeners, because we have had over 60 downloads um, just with the four episodes that I put out so far. So woohoo, very exciting. So thank you guys so much for listening and continuing to listen. And I hope that you guys enjoy the next shows. All right, uh, that's my week. Now let's get to the interview with Jenna. 
Today I'm here with Jenna Tarasco. Jenna and I worked together while we were students at West Virginia University. Go Mountaineers! Go Mountaineers! In this interview, we're going to be focusing on Jenna's Go Find Out experience of living in Thailand and then South Korea to teach English as a second language. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. How you been? I'm good. I'm I'm super stoked to have you on and learn more about your experiences because I I definitely I I was kind of stalking you from afar and watching <laughs> watching all your you know social media pics and stuff while you were away. So this will be really um, exciting to kind of talk to you a little bit more in depth about your experience. Awesome. Well, I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Jenna. Uh, I am originally from New York. Went to school, like we said, in West Virginia, where we met. Um, moved back to the city after college, and I got a decent job. So maybe it was a year or two after we graduated, um, or I graduated. Uh, and yeah, moved to the city, and then turned 30, did an inventory of my life, and decided to give it all up and go live halfway across the world. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so how did you actually learn about the option of teach or of um, being able to teach English as a second language in another country? Yeah, sure. So, okay. So it started out plainly as a vacation. Okay. 2001, I believe, Leonardo DiCaprio's The Beach came out and uh-huh. I saw Maya Bay, in, mm-hmm. which is located in the Phi Islands in Thailand. And I said to myself, my, you know, 16 year old self, I have to go there one day. Yes. So, um, <laughs> fast forward to 2000. So it was, it was always in the back of my mind. It was a seed Mm -hmm. planted in my head that was just, you know, matriculating over, over these years. So fast forward to 2000, 2014, let's say, um, just a series of events happened. My grandma passed away, uh, left me some money. Okay. Um, my lease was up in my apartment I had just broken up with the guy I was dating at the time. And I was like, you know what? I need to get away. Started looking at vacations in Thailand, you know, just doing the old Google search. And I came across a blog, uh, Nomadic Matt. He's pretty famous in the travel community about okay. how you could teach English with, less, you know, living abroad. And yeah, that, that's how the ball got rolling. So I just took a, took a deep dive into Google and started seeing what I needed in order to do that. And so what, what did you need? Like, um, how does the program kind of actually work? So basically, um, it, go, it depends by country. But in general, all you need pretty much is a bachelor's and what's called teaching English as a foreign language certificate or okay. for short TEFL. Mm-hmm. And TEFLs are pretty straightforward. They're pretty easy. You can do them online. You can do like a three-week intensive program. I chose to do a three-week intensive program in Cambodia because, again, I stumbled across a blog who recommended this particular company in Cambodia. So I thought, hey, why not? And, uh, yeah, wired the money and bought a one-way ticket to um, to Bangkok first for two weeks and then um, just how the program worked out. I was in Cambodia like two weeks after. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so does that, well, did that particular program, did that provide like housing or how did that work? So the program was pretty much, it was in a hotel hmm. and the company, the company escapes me now, but I can probably look it up. But anyway, um, it was in a hotel. So um, your own room was provided. Nice. Uh, you did have to pay for food, but the hotel stay was included in the entire course um, package. Wow. Okay. 
And and you're not paying to go there. They're paying you to teach. Well, um, so you're paying for uh, the the TEFL certificate. Oh, I see. So it's kind of like um, it's kind of like school. Okay. So you go in from probably about ten to about two p.m. It's a lot of like linguist stuff, uh, pronunciation. I, I never realized how much of a New York accent I had until <laughs> <laughs> I went through that program. I was like, oh wait. You don't pronounce dog like dog. Oh, okay, yeah. It's dog. I was going to say, yeah. you actually, you truly do actually sound different. Um, yeah. I mean, the last time I talked to you was before I graduated in 2010. And so it's been a while, 10 years. Oh my God. But yeah, you sound oh totally different than I remember. So I was like, huh, but that mm-hmm. now that makes sense. If you took like pronunciation, like courses, that's really interesting. It, exactly. It, it totally crippled away at my New York accent. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you know, for the better, for worse, who knows? So I have to ask you, so now you live back in New York, do people think you don't live, you don't from New York anymore? Or do you put the back accent back on? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's like riding a bike. Like you never forget, Right. but I am, I am more aware of it though. So like my dad grew up in the Bronx and I can totally like pick up, you know, if I hang out with him for a little too long, I totally, you know, start saying true instead of through <laughs> bag instead of bag. Like that's awesome. So you just slip right back in. Yeah. yeah yep. Yeah. It's like. Time did not um, pass here. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, lot, a lot more aware of it and, you know, accents in general, I guess. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's interesting. So, yeah, so it's uh, three weeks of that. And, of course, you know, they know that it's Westerners that are coming through this program. So they'd have, like, a lot of, um, of course, if you paid for them, a lot of little extras. So they had a weekend trip to Agra Wat. If you wanted to get certified in scuba, you could get certified in scuba. So, you know, of course I did both and it was an awesome experience. So yeah, so pretty much like in college, they hand you your certificate and then, you know, you're kind of like, well, now what? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) what's next? Yeah, exactly. So the company did have connections with different schools, but I mean, Jen, it's like, (laughs) um, you know, with our current state um, where our world is at right now, Mm -hmm. like it's still... Like we are so lucky to be Americans. <laughs> I will. Really? I'll get into it later. Anyway, but you know, you're American in a foreign country. I I applied to jobs on a Wednesday in Thailand, and I had a job by Friday. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, like insane. I gave myself a certain amount of time to look for a job, but it just happened right away like that. So I went to Bangkok. I taught at a private school. Um, a little outside of Bangkok and Prawet, probably like door to door, I could get to downtown Bangkok in 40 minutes hmm. with, um, you know, no traffic okay. on the back of a moto. Woo. <laughs> so before, so that, that moment in time between when you got the job and the, the official job in Bangkok and before you went, were you kind of like, holy shit, like I'm doing this or, you know, what kind of what was going on at that point? Were you kind of, it wasn't a big deal at that point because you were already over there? Or did that moment kind of, of, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. Did that happen before you left the States? Yeah. You know, I just, I just remember being excited. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person I'm a doer. Um, a pet peeve of mine is when people talk about doing stuff and talk about doing it and talk about doing it and never do that, do it. Like that just like drives me nuts. Yeah. And, um, so I, I mentioned my grandma, um, passed and left everyone a little bit of money. Um, my grandma, family's complicated, um, mm-hmm. but my grandma was an alcoholic. We were a little estranged um, towards the end of her life. And 
Um, she was, I believe, depressed and mm. never went out and did anything. And so I wanted to do this because, you know, kind of take the money that she left me and live a life that she didn't in a way. I remember being really excited, not really scared. I had a plan B. I gave myself a certain amount of time and I was like, all right, if I don't have a job by this date, I'll travel around for a little while and then I'll go home. Like I had already talked to my parents about it and I was like, hey, listen, if things don't work out, can I stay with you for a little bit until I get on my feet? I had a safety net in place. Mm, okay. I had a little money aside, you know, for if that were to happen. But fortunately, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so really, it kind of sounds like it was an adve- you were embarking on an adventure. And definitely. And even if things didn't work out necessarily with with getting a position, you were like, screw it, I'm I'm just going to travel and continue the adventure until I run out of money. Exactly. That that was that was the plan. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's all about like the framing of how you think about it, um, you know, of, of going and doing it and getting yourself to go and do it. And it sounds like that's that's what worked for you was seeing it as an adventure that, you know, you, you couldn't fail at because it was going to be fun, damn it, right? Exactly. It's all about mindset. And, you know, when we're old and we each reach, reach the end of our lives, are we going to remember the years we worked or the years that we said, screw it and lived abroad for three years, you know? And I have to say, I was totally like, man, I wish I could go back because I did a study abroad in my undergrad program. But it was just a study abroad. It was just a one semester in Japan, and, it, and while it was it was super exciting, and I'm so glad I did it. It was you know it was a it was different because I was in school as opposed to working over there. You know what I mean? Sure. But I totally was like following your your journey um, and thought it was so so cool that you were you were going and doing it. And exactly. And um, you know, I was I was um, thinking about it the other day, and like the camaraderie that came from this when I was like announcing that I was quitting my job to live abroad, like all these people like on social media that I've known for years, like would come out and be like, oh, it's so cool what you're doing. You know, I, I lived in Japan for a year because my husband was in the army and blah, blah, blah. And it was such a cool experience. And, da, 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 da. and to just get to know these people that, you know, for like your entire life like, on a different like level. Yeah, you know? that's so cool. It, it, it was really cool. And to like have them come out of the woodwork and and be supportive. Right. Exactly. Like people I hadn't talked to in years and just be like, yeah, you know, I lived in France for a summer just picking grapes on a farm and it was just one of the coolest experiences and da 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 da. I, oh, I actually met my husband in England, you know, when I was there for a year studying, you know, my, for my doctorate and this and that. Like, yeah, it was really, it was cool. Yeah, that's so cool to get everybody's stories. Nice. So you had all these people coming out with messages of support. Did you have any naysayers about going overseas to take the job? Honestly, like out of the hundred, like, like, let's say out of the hundred people I told, I think I only got two people. One person in particular being like, are you effing nuts? Really? Oh. But he was old and his opinion didn't really, you know, matter to me. Gotcha. But, um, no, like uh, more than... A majority of people were just super supportive and, you know, excited for me. And then on the flip side of that, you know, when I announced that I was going to do this, of course, my dad being a retired detective for the NYPD, I knew he was going to have his uh, trepidations. So basically, I just had like ammo set up for all the questions that he was going to throw at me. You're like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. Exactly. Like people... Um, our parents are a different generation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my parents are, <clears throat> for better or for worse, uh, huge Trump supporters, and we don't see eye to eye on everything. Obviously, I think that's every family. 
But um, yeah, I knew what they were going to ask. I knew what they were going to say. And so I was just prepared. Yeah. Did they come and visit you? Because you were over there for several years. I was. Um, unfortunately not. Uh, and part of the reason, too, I did this, um, I think, because, you know, no complaints. I, I had a great childhood. I had a great life. I had a very sheltered life, you know, in upstate, leafy, uh, suburban New York, where everyone does the same thing year after year. I mean, and if that works for them, that's great. But that's just that's just not me. I'm definitely a person who likes change. So doing this, I mean, just seemed like the right answer. It can be tough when your family doesn't necessarily understand your reasons for going and doing something. and But it doesn't sound like they were necessarily unsupportive, just not understanding. Right, exactly. They're, they're supportive, but yeah, they, they wouldn't go on a plane for 14 hours to visit me in a foreign <laughs> country. Like, that's just not, that's not in their DNA. But now now you're back in New York. I bet they're happy. Yes, yes. It, they're, they're definitely happy. Happy to have me home. So what would you say, Jenna, was your biggest challenge, um, either, you know, in the program or just even, you know, living in Thailand? Honestly, the biggest challenge, you can prepare, you can speak from other people's experiences, but the first day when you walk into that classroom and it's you against 25 small children that English isn't their first language, you know, things really... It's sink or swim and things get real. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I have to tell you, as somebody who does not really like um, small children um, for long amounts of time, that sounds like a nightmare to me. So kudos to you, man, yeah. for going and doing that. That's awesome. That's so cool. You know, you, you find out a lot about yourself working with um, <laughs> working with uh, children. Really? <laughs> I can only imagine. So would you say that was probably the biggest challenge was... Um, you know, working with the children that spoke a totally different language. Totally, totally. Um, there are days when you'd walk in and you'd have a class and you'd feel like a rock star. And there'd be days where you were just totally defeated, just, you know, because you can't anticipate 25, four-year and five-year-olds moods, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So now, did you learn um, any kind of Thai before you left or was it kind of suggested not to do that? I did learn a little just to, um, as far as uh, getting by, like uh, asking for directions or like ordering food and stuff. But we live in an age where basically I could type a question into an app and have it pop up in Thai. Like, but I would rarely do that. I would say like in Thailand, everyone under 40, because it's such a touristic country, everyone under 40 speaks a good amount of English, enough for you to communicate in Korea and Thailand, definitely. Did you find that if you kind of tried to speak Thai, that it was a little easier of a conversation because, you know, it show, kind of shows, oh, look, I'm trying. Yeah, definitely. Um, or like in Korea more, they were more surprised when I knew Korean. They'd be like, oh, you know, and then they'd like start talking really fast. And then I'd be like, OK, okay slow down. <laughs> I did the same thing in Japan. I, I didn't know any Japanese when I left because I'm an idiot and didn't try to learn anything. Um, and then got there and was like, holy shit, I, I don't speak any Japanese and I'm here by myself. Um, but then I took a class while I was there for Japanese. And like you said, I would try to like use it. And then they'd be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, I, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know what they said. I didn't know what to say back. So I was like, okay, I don't know. Exactly. Hand gestures work. Yes. Um, I remember I got, I got super sick in Korea. Mm. Um, like it was like a really gnarly uh, sinus infection. And the nurse and I are trying to communicate. Like she's trying to like get me to tell her my symptoms. And all I did was I took my pointer finger and I went from my nose to the back of my ear down to my throat. And then I grabbed my throat 
like trying mm-hmm. to be like, you know, pain. And she was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all mime work. Yeah. That's, that's all it took. <laughs> nice. What, what what did you say was like your best experience while you were over there? Or, or, and I know there are different places. So what would you say was your best experience? Let's say in South Korea, since we've been talking mostly about Thailand. Best experience. Uh, you know, there's a lot of them, but I, I would say just the instant friendships with like the fellow, uh, my fellow English colleagues, like you just have like a set built-in group of friends that you can do stuff with and go on weekend trips and stuff and just having that camaraderie and support, um, like coming from a corporate office background where, you know, you don't always like who you work with. Mm-hmm. Like in Korea, I-, I never felt that way about a colleague, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So did you, um, so obviously you said you had colleagues. So that were these other students who were teaching English in different schools or at different subjects in the same school? Yeah. So um, uh, this, the schools, we basically would have about seven to 10 English native speakers, native teachers, they would call us, um, from dominantly um, America, Canada, and South Africa. And um, a couple of in Europe as well. So like Ireland and England and stuff. Okay. So when you actually worked in Thailand, were you guys all kind of living in the same like housing unit or? Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was split. So the all the schools offered um, free housing, but um, specifically in Thailand, uh, the free housing uh, was a little uh, <laughs> little interesting. It was basically a built like a cement building. Um, it had air conditioning. It had Wi-Fi. You had your own room, but it was very, very basic. Um, And some teachers just didn't um, enjoy living like that. So they would go out on their own and get their own apartments. Oh, I I chose the free housing because, A, I wanted money to travel and I also wanted to save money, obviously. Yes. So would you say it was almost like like a college dorm only by yourself and smaller? Yeah, yeah. And like communal bathroom, communal kitchen. Yeah, it was like being in school all over again. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. If you hadn't done this, if you hadn't decided, screw it, let's let's just go. I'm just going to go on this big adventure and see what pans out. If you hadn't done this, what do you think is the biggest thing that you would have missed out on? I feel like I got to know myself in a way. I got to be like more comfortable with myself. Prior to this and like traveling alone to a country that I'd never been to before mm-hmm. would have been a little a little daunting. Yeah, uh, sleeping in a hammock. Or, you know, sharing a dorm room, a hostel with other people. Um, it's definitely um, made me more well-rounded and a lot more open to new experiences. And then also, you know, being comfortable with hanging out, going on a vacation by myself. And it turns out I love to be alone. <laughs> I mean, people are great, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you can't get along with yourself, then I mean, who are you going to get along with, right? Exactly. Or like example, like like prior to this, like I would never go out to eat go like go out to dinner by myself and now mm-hmm. you know I don't even second think it you know like who cares it's so funny you bring that up I, I think that's a really big one maybe not necessarily just for women but that's one thing I had never done really by myself was like go out to eat right? yeah and so a few years ago my husband was deployed and I was like well I want to go to Olive Garden damn it I don't I don't know why it had to be Olive Garden but it was um but yeah I took myself there and I was like this isn't that bad like to be by myself and eat like it felt weird at first but then you just kind of get used to totally. it and it just made me realize that I was really missing out you know this the experience of going places and not necessarily having to wait for somebody else to go with me exactly that and I also learned what I could live without like when I went to Korea like 
like I'm, I'm of the curvier build and it was really difficult to find shoes and clothing that fit me. Mm. And, you know, I kind of reassessed and I was like, well, do I need five pair of jeans? If like, you know, two are in good shape and there's no runs or holes in them. Like, do I need to spend $180 a night in a hotel? Like not necessarily if I'm just going to be there to sleep, Yeah, you know, things like that. That does make sense. And this is coming from somebody, isn't your bachelor's degree in fashion? Exactly. Coming from a fashion merchandising background, it's like, what do we really need in the world? Yeah. Have you found that now that you're back in the States, have you kept some of these um, maybe habits, we'll say, um, from living overseas? Uh, definitely. Like the, like the clothing habit? The clothing habit, um, basically, you know, having like a Swiss army knife in my, <laughs> not, not necessarily a Swiss army knife in my bag, but like everything I could need for, you know, being 16 hours away from my home, you know? So like maybe some deodorant, hand sanitizer, lotion, sunscreen, like. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, like like always being prepared. Yeah. You know, one of the things um, that um, we kind of touched on, but we didn't really go into too much. So you were, obviously you're working um, in Thailand, you're working in South Korea. And then on, the, on breaks from school, um, I understand that you traveled around those countries, yes, right? Yes, correct. So, and people say this about Europe too, but like once you're in Southeast Asia, flights to nearby countries are super cheap. I I can recall getting a flight from Bangkok to Phuket one weekend and literally with taxes, it was like $60. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, like insane. I got a flight from Korea to Thailand for like $120, like you know, you're packed in there like sardines, but who cares? It's a five-hour flight. Like, yeah, you suck it up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I would suck it up definitely for that. So yeah, I did a lot of that. And that actually kind of led me to going to Korea because, you know, I, I as much as I loved Thailand, um, the salary there wasn't really um, stretching as far as I wanted. And I knew I didn't want to go home because I wanted to travel more. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard that teaching in Korea, um, the salary – was um, definitely a good uh, amount nice. in order to do that. Okay. So that's kind of what brought me there. What were the rest of the financials for doing this kind of program um, and living abroad like for you? So um, financially, uh, I can actually give you some hard numbers. So uh, you're paid monthly, which takes a little getting used to as someone you know that's usually paid biweekly or I've had jobs where I've paid weekly. Um, but no, in, in Korea, everyone is paid monthly a certain stipend. So um, Minus taxes, um, I brought home probably about like 1900 a month. Of course, in our American standards, I mean, that's not great. But when your one nice bedroom apartment close to your school um, is free, and then, of course, transportation to the school, I took the school bus with the kids every morning and every evening. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so that definitely um, helped out. Of course, as a typical American, I, of course, still have student loans, but uh, definitely had student loans when I was abroad there, and I was able to pay a much larger chunk of them down. Uh, I, was, I was able to pay a lot more aggressively, over there than I would have if I was working full-time in the States. So like student loans, paid a huge chunk, credit card debt, squash that with living over there. Um, Yeah, it really, living abroad for three years definitely helped me live better in the States here now. I will say that. Financially, uh, I definitely took a huge chunk down faster than I would have if I had worked, you know, my full-time job here. So definitely something to consider. 
I wonder too, you know, you because you were already abroad and you were traveling from there around that region, um, you know, if you had been here in the States and then tried to travel abroad, you know, you're, you're technically, you're saving money by already being over there, right? So you're spending less money for like fun, I guess is what I'm saying. Exactly. And you probably would have been spending a lot more on that kind of thing and like going out to eat maybe here um, would it cost more than it does maybe over there. Definitely. I mean, you're, you're able to find like all the comforts of, of home over there, but you know, I kind of... I kind of made it a game with myself, like, okay, how much can I pay off this month with, you know, and I was still able to go out and enjoy and be with my friends and things like that. But yeah, definitely uh, took a money <laughs> lesson over there. So yeah, was able to pay off student debt, credit cards, and then I still had money left over to travel to the level that I wanted. And so kind of touching on the, the traveling um, and we talked a little bit about this before um, that you had traveled around um, both Thailand and South Korea while you were living and working there. But while you were traveling and, and living abroad, um, you know, you're a single woman. And did you find that that some of your decisions of like where to travel and when to travel or like when to go out, do you find that, the, that those were really affected by being female? Um, definitely. I definitely and particularly in Thailand. I got a lot of curious people like asking me like, oh, you're, you're very confident traveling alone. You know, th that wasn't the original plan, of course. But at the same time, you know, if I waited for someone to come with me to travel, if I waited for my friends to, you know, be financially able to do that with me, like I would be waiting forever, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not everyone is in that position and not everyone wants to be in that position, you know? No, I think that makes sense. And I know I absolutely remember seeing your pictures um, on Facebook and, and elsewhere, like when you're traveling um, and thinking, man, that's so cool that she's doing that by herself. Yeah. You know, and I know that uh, occasionally like you know, I saw that you traveled like with um, like a friend or something, but majority of the time you seem to be doing a lot of traveling on your own. And I just remember thinking that I was just so cool. <laughs> and I, I wasn't sure that I would have been brave enough to do that, you know, especially overseas. Like it's one thing, like I, you know, I traveled here um, in, in the States quite, pretty often by myself, um, especially for my last job. You know, I traveled around the New England area by myself pretty often and that just got to be normal. But then I thought about, oh, you know, if I traveled overseas, I just don't think that I would have been brave enough to do it by myself. Absolutely. You know, and there was a time where if you told me that I was going to, you know, travel Southeast Asia by myself, I would have been like, you're crazy. But, um, you know, I, I started out small, like things like, you know, going out to dinner by myself, I never would have done 10 years ago. And I did that. And then I actually before I left to live abroad, I took a trip to New Orleans. Um, I had a friend there. Uh, she was finishing up her master's. And I had taken, you know, domestic flights on my by myself before. But um, because of her work schedule, she, you know, she had to work a lot. So, you know, there was me, you know, figuring out, okay, how do I get from the airport to my hotel? And how am I going to entertain myself tomorrow? Because my friend has to work. So like baby steps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that trip went, went really well. And that definitely gave me the confidence. Okay. If I can do that four day weekend on my own, then I can do this. Okay. Yeah. Start small and work your way up. And when you, so kind of sticking on the, the topic of travel, did you, because you had all these colleagues um, at, at each school that you worked at, did you find that any of those colleagues, they, they maybe didn't travel and they just kind of stayed there? And like, did you see any difference with like their happiness levels between those who did travel and those who didn't? Definitely. In general, schools can promise you everything on paper, but once you actually get there and start doing the work, a lot of people find out that it's just not for them um, teaching and stuff like that. There, there were a couple people that would be a teacher there, for example, but didn't really travel as much as 
I, I thought someone who would be in the same position as I was to do that. Yeah. And, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Do you, do you think you'd ever go back? Do you think you'd ever do, try another country? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely, uh, three years of teaching, I've discovered it's, it's not for me, but I'm definitely glad that I got to experience that. Okay. But on the flip side of that, I definitely want to retire in Thailand. Hopefully when that day comes, I definitely left my heart there. I love it. I can't wait to go back. I will continue to go back for the rest of my life. Definitely. Do you think you'd ever want to take a different kind of job, maybe overseas? Uh, you know, I, I definitely, I, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And if the right opportunity were to come, certainly, I would certainly consider it for sure. Nice. Not to say you're leaving your current job. Don't worry. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. But no, if the opportunity arose, I would seriously consider it. No doubt. Awesome. What advice would you give to our listeners who are considering applying to a program like this or something similar? Uh, well, I would say, of course, uh, number one, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think every person should, A, work in the service industry, whether being retail or a waiter, and B, travel alone to a foreign country by themselves. I think those two things really um, round out a person and make them just better overall, personally, professionally, socially, without a doubt. So I would say that, you know, teaching, as I said, wasn't for me, but I would never try and talk someone out of doing it. I am pro screwing your life in America to go live across the world. I would say uh, just to do it, but do your research. Hmm. And we live in an age where everyone has a blog, everyone has a YouTube, it's really easy to research schools, research programs. And yeah, just just do your homework. If you're considering a school in South Korea or in Thailand, you know, ask to maybe speak to one of their current English teachers, Hmm. something like that. Um, But definitely, yeah, do your research. Okay, yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And and where can listeners follow you um, online? Uh, well, you know, I'm pretty uh, low on the social media posts these days, but uh, yeah, you can check out my Instagram. Um, it's just my name, Jenna Tarasco, and uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the uh, the podcast today, Jenna. Oh, my pleasure. It was really fun to reconnect with Jenna in this interview. I'd followed some of her travels online and just thought it was so awesome that she was traveling internationally by herself. Jealous much? Yes, maybe. (laughs) After a chat, I really found myself thinking about two things that we had talked about. So the first was going to another country by yourself can really make you a lot more confident in your own abilities. When I studied abroad in Japan and when I first got there, I had this like holy shit moment of realizing that not only did I not speak any of the language, um, which was my own fault, but it was also the first time I had ever lived for a long period by myself um, more than four hours away from my family. Um, So I I wouldn't just be able to like call somebody up for help there, right? Um, Because my parents were on the other side of the world, really. And I, I really had to just figure out things on my own. And just that realization really helped me to kind of get out of my comfort zone. I mean, I was really far outside of my comfort zone then. Um, And that definitely helped me grow into the adult that I am today. You know, if you can call me an adult most of the time. (laughs) The second thing that I really kept thinking about after our discussion was um, how Jenna mentioned that one of her pet peeves is how some people talk about you know, wanting to do something and they talk about it over and over again, but then they never actually do it or even take the steps to do it. And that's really what the heart of this whole show is about. 
right? Rather than just continuing to talk about how you someday might do something, I hope that this show is helping you see that just like these women um, that I'm interviewing, you too can go after those things that you dream about doing. I think one of the big problems is that we we tend to say, okay, go after your dreams. And now it's kind of a cliched thing, right? Um, like we hear that and we roll our eyes and think, okay, buddy, like some of us live in the real world here. Nobody's going to be going after their dreams. I got to go to work, right? But the thing is that you, you really can go after your dreams. You just have to do it one step at a time. And I know it's really not sexy to break down the process into steps, right? Um, but, but seriously, if there is something that you've been dreaming about doing, first thing to do is actually write down your overall goal, no matter how crazy it sounds or big it sounds or unrealistic, like write, write it down, write it down as a goal. And then determine if there is one tiny step that you can take today toward that goal. So for example, if you are wanting to say travel abroad or work abroad, then the first step honestly would just be to research programs or jobs that allow you to to do that. That's it. Super simple. Just research, right? It's safe. You're in front of your computer. Um, so that that's really the first step. And taking that tiny step and doing that research means that you are that much closer to achieving that dream. Again, not sexy, right? Um, so a lot of us just don't do it. Um, I think a lot of us think that to go after our dreams, we have to make these, these, you know, these huge changes automatically in our life. And, and that's not always the case. You know, it could be something really tiny. So guess what? That's your homework. Determine what tiny step that you can take today towards your big goals. And honestly, I would love to hear what that goal is or what step you're going to take toward it. Tweet them to me at GFO podcast. All right, I really hope that you guys enjoyed today's interview with Jenna and that it inspires you guys to look into opportunities to travel or live abroad. And if you're interested in some programs for teaching English as a second language, like what Jenna did, I'll put some links to reputable programs in the show notes. And they're not necessarily ones that Jenna specifically did, but they are ones that are out there and available. All right, that's it for the show today. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO Podcast or follow me on Instagram at gofindoutpodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out. <laughs>